The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Citizen, the unofficial The Flash podcast, a poppychularadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, February 26th, and I'm your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, The Flash. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello, Central City. Dimitri Singer. What's good, Central City? And Jeffrey Aruz. Hey, Central City. Want a banana? Let's jump into our recap of Season 6, Episode 13, which was titled Grodd Friended Me, and aired on February 25th, 2020. Here's the official synopsis. While looking for the graveyard where his parents are buried, Barry finds the Pied Piper in the middle of robbing the jewelry store. Like everything else in the post-crisis world, Barry's relationship with the Piper has changed, but because he remembers the way things used to be, he doesn't know how things are now. While working to update Gideon, Barry's visited by Chester, who's become part of the team post-crisis. Due to an accident, Barry finds himself in Grodd's mind. Uh, Gorilla Grodd tells Barry that he's aware of the crisis, and he's changed. He no longer wants to be evil. He also says there's a gatekeeper that's keeping both of them from escaping. As fake Iris continues to look for information, she lies to Joe, so if you had any doubts about this not being Iris... Rest assured, our Iris would never do that. The real Iris and Eva try another attempt to get out of the mirror dimension, which leaves Eva with horrible burns on her arms, burns that also appear on fake Iris in our world. After some persuasion from Caitlin, Chester helps Barry and Grodd get out safely after the two team up, and Caitlin arranges for Grodd to be released into Gorilla City on probation. Over in the sea story, Allegra learns she has a counterpart that used to work for Nash and reacts very badly, Meanwhile, Nash keeps encountering alternate versions of Harrison Wells. At the very end of the episode, Nash sees yet another version involving Sherlock Wells, who morphs into the reverse Flash as he ominously warns he is coming. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 6, Episode 13. The episode was viewed by 1.18 million total viewers and had a 0.4 in the demo. Both are steady from last week. What's everyone's initial reaction to the episode, starting with Jeff? Okay, you know what? I didn't dislike the episode. I like Grodd episodes. I, I, I give the um, the show props for actually making this a yearly tradition. I'm sure he's hella expensive. But I thought it was a good Grodd episode, especially because it dealt with... Uh, crisis and uh it you know it 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 was a a very focused episode millie what is your initial reaction um i mean we can always use more grod but overall i was just confused um (laughs) and not in terms of the storyline like i understood that part i think just like the context of everything just left me really just very lost in terms of time like timeline and just purpose um, so I was on the fence about it. Oh, timeline. And Dimitri, what was your initial reaction? Uh, I share in some of Millie's confusion. 
I disagree with Millie that we can always use more grind. My ideal ripoff King Kong moments is zero, but I would say this is not as boring and as fillery as I expected a filler. I mean, grad, I mean, grad filler. I mean, I, this was not as bad as I was expecting it to be. Set up some interesting things, had some interesting reveals. He said the F word twice. Filler. Filler, filler. Filler, filler. I, I can't continue, but Professor, feel free to cut me off. Yeah, I, I like the episode, um, you know, maybe not one of the best episodes, but, you know, unlike Millie, I actually kind of like the fact that, you know, some of the timeline stuff they were dealing with is something that I've been waiting for them to deal with since Crisis. Uh, and we'll get to that when we uh, when we break down the episode uh, in detail. Uh, but before we get into our thorough recap of the latest episode of The Flash, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. Before we get to the grod, uh, I thought a big part of the episode was dealing with how things have changed post-crisis, the crisequences, as a great man once said. Um, this is the first time we've seen uh, you know, the team really dealing with the personal aspects of the crisequences. The fact that Team Flash remembers a different world from everyone else out there. So we had that, you know, uh, you know, Barry doesn't remember where his parents are buried. Uh, you know, the Piper uh, remembers a completely different background, you know, a completely different backstory to everyone else. Um, and it's been hinted at the other shows, but they're sort of, you know, dealing with it in this uh, this episode. Millie mentioned that she found it confusing. Uh, Jeff, how did you like how they played it out here? For how they're playing it out on the show, I think they're doing a decent job with explaining it. My problem with it is, is that I hate that the heroes seem to remember 
everything pre-crisis, but they don't know anything about the world uh, uh, after crisis on this Earth Prime. And, and that bothers me because it leads to just really dumb moments of like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Like this, that, or the other. It, it's kind of, um, was it you, Professor, that said it maybe on one of our other podcasts? Or maybe it might have been Millie. But it, it, it kind of, uh, it wipes, it, it almost makes like the previous chronology like so much more important to these heroes versus what should be important which is the current chronology i wish that they would have done something different like the writers where you know they would have explained it away they wouldn't have made it like a big deal like oh my god having two sets of memories would drive you insane like they should have allowed the heroes especially because they were paragons to have been able to compartmentalize both histories so that they can remember everything before the crisis but they also remember this earth prime these earth prime memories so that they don't seem like just complete idiots out on the field i mean the fact that barry doesn't know that there's a train there the fact that he doesn't know where his parents are and he has to be reminded i just i i think it's kind of dumb but for how they're doing it on the show i mean they're trying to explain it the best way possible i just it feels like it's a bit of a hindrance for our heroes and um it's it it just i don't know i feel like our heroes should be the most prepared for anything and uh, it's almost like they've got like a like a gimpy leg or something and you know they they, they're walking on crutches because they don't really understand what's going on and and i don't know if i like that for our heroes yeah, I agree. And this is something that, that I mentioned before, which is that, you know, by having the Martian Manhunter, you know, reset their memories to, you know, the, the pre-crisis world, they're all, as you say, they're all essentially functioning at a disadvantage. They don't know who their friends are. They don't know who their enemies are. They don't know where the trains are, uh, you know, where the bodies are buried, literally. Um, I did like the fact they're sort of dealing with that. But uh, it, it felt to me in this episode that um, they're sort of like paying lip service to that. And then they'll be... Uh, uh, moving on to other things. Does anyone else have any thoughts about uh, how this particular crisis sequence played out in Flash? I hope it's not a like a huge amount of you know. Oh, I thought so and so we were cool with so and so, but now they're actually an enemy. Or like, like it, I, I thought it was fun for one episode. I hope it's not like a recurring like. Wait, what do you mean the Flash? Like, I don't know resuscitated Captain Cold or something like that. I mean, Captain Cold was a pretty good character, but like, I hope it's not like just another half a season of retcons basically. Yeah. I, I don't think they could get away with doing that. I think, you know, cause you have the crisis and you know, you're dealing with crisis for a few episodes, but then I think you have to get back to the normal storytelling. Yeah, um, that yeah. said a big, theme of the episode of uh, this episode was change uh specifically the danger of trying to hold on too tightly to the past instead of embracing the future uh millie how'd you like how they dealt with that theme um i thought the, I mean, the theme was a bit you know on the nose because this is the episode that we finally get that they're they're dealing with the consequences and so oh yeah let's talk about change okay um that was that that connection is very easy to make there but i'm glad we're addressing it um i think that it does allow for that one point where Barry is like, okay, we have to accept this. 
run forward, not backwards. Take that as you will. Um, so I, I think that it's good because they have somewhat been stuck in the ways, and hopefully with this acceptance of change, we can push forward and not dwell on you know, what's different and what's not different um, because, as mentioned, like it's going to get really tedious uh, because it, it just it makes them sound silly that they don't know that. So um, I think it was good to have. The execution, I think, could have done a little better. Yeah, I agree. I think it was necessary to have that, the idea that, you know, there, there have to be consequences or consequences of the fact that they remember things differently. But I think it would become, you know, tedious if, if they keep revisiting that or, or if that becomes more than a theme, like maybe as a little inciting incident at the beginning of an episode uh, uh, or something like that. But I, I do think that, you know, sort of, you know, establishing that, okay, this is something that, you know, is uh, an inevitable consequence of the way they decide to deal with uh, the crisis aftermath, but I think if they, they continue to pursue this, it will become tedious pretty quickly. Uh, one of the post-crisis changes uh, is Chester P. Runk. Uh, we're reintroduced to him. He is the hyper-caffeinated Flash fanboy uh, who's apparently now working at Star Labs without knowing Barry's secret identity. Uh, Dimitri, what did you think about our reintroduction uh, to, uh, to Chester and uh, making Chester part of Team Flash? I... It's weird. It, I uh, I did not like when Oliver Queen got a new team. Um, I, I felt like it, it felt kind of like very shoehorned in. But I do think that I really like Camilla and Chester sort of manning the comms. I think they they sort of returned the show to its roots kind of where they're like sort of a little bit happy-go-lucky, like lovable nerd types as opposed to like everybody's like gotten a little broodier uh, in season six of this show, which we really don't need another another arrow. Uh, are we going to talk about uh, this being the first time the Flash has talked about race in a different segment? I don't want to jump the gun. That was going to be that was going to be the very next question. All right. Well, I, I, I have opinions for. Five minutes from well, now. I will direct the question to you. Uh, having Chester, a person of color, allowed the Flash to dip a toe outside the world of white speedster privilege. Uh, when Chester tells Frost the story about his science fair failure and how his teacher refused to give him a second chance, telling him in the real world, people like us don't get a second chance. So I'll open this up to the floor, but I'll start with you, Dimitri. What did you think about that scene and uh, you know Flash trying to uh, you know go a little bit outside of its uh, usual comfort zone of running really fast and punching people with lightning? Thank God they introduced Chester, a person of color, to talk about race on the show. I know. If only there were any day one cast members of color who could have talked about this issue. Well, technically, one is in the mirror right now, and one is traveling the world. So, I, I, mean, I know what you're saying. I 100% agree. Outspoken. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, I, I tweeted uh, my thoughts on this. I really do like Chester. I hope he he stay, sticks around um, and he and Camilla do some more comms banding together. That said, uh, West Island is an interracial family. It's a black single father who adopted his daughter's best friend after uh, Barry's uh, family was basically, his mom was murdered and his, his father was in prison. Um, he raised Barry. Uh, I think it would have been much more interesting for the West Allen family to have that conversation, maybe even for Cisco to be involved. Uh, I, I think, you know, even 
if you wanted it to be more around Chester, you could have Chester have that conversation with Joe, with Iris. Uh, it it just seemed uh, very much like a like a footnote. Uh, it's it's kind of like Chester sort of mentions the race issue uh, and how people like him don't get a second chance, and then Killer Frost. Uh, a whiter version of a white character with white hair and white lipstick is like, well, here's your second chance. So now racism is over. And, um, it, it, I appreciate, uh, I believe the flash has a, has a new showrunner who is black. I appreciate that they've made changes like allowing Iris to wear her natural hair. Um, and I can appreciate the flash wanting to maybe delve a little further into these issues than they've previously done. This felt a little, again, sort of shoehorned in. Uh, we have day one black characters who are absolutely, absolutely crucial to the core of this show. I think it would have been much more uh, meaningful to have them discuss it than to have a character we've been introduced to very recently and who's appeared sporadically. Uh, it kind of feels like, all right, we can we can discuss it and then we cannot discuss it uh, very quickly. Um, and I, I think, you know, that there's some opportunities for meaningful conversations that, that were missed here. Um, I can see the, the rationale behind wanting to be a race blind show, wanting to be a show that purposely does not discuss race, which seems to be the approach they took up until this season. If you're going to talk about race, um, you know, obviously there's a, there's another CW superhero show that does that phenomenally well. I think you know, go go the full meaningful route. Um, you know, don't don't have it as an aside. It's it's not an aside for people of color. Uh, it's it's a part of everyday existence. And and I think uh, talking about how it manifests with our core characters' upbringing it is a very meaningful thing. And I hope they maybe take that opportunity down the line. Uh, this was a little strange for me. Uh, Millie and Jeff, what did you think about the scene and uh, and how they tried to uh, address that issue? I agree with what Dimitri said. Uh, I will I will come at this with a little bit more of a positive uh, outlook on it. Uh, okay, so it, it does make a difference who's behind the camera and, and who's in charge of the show. Uh, when we did not have a man of color as the showrunner, we didn't really discuss race on The Flash. So now that we do have a man of color, uh, I do like that it was addressed. It is unfortunate that it's season six and we're finally sort of talking about race. And I, I agree with you, Dimitri. We have an interracial couple as you know the leads on the show and the amount of sort of hate and vitriol from racists that uh, that gets online was never really addressed on the show with like them dealing uh, with the fact that they are an interracial couple in uh, you know the 2000s and that sort of thing. Uh, so that was an incredibly missed opportunity. The show has been sort of uh, whatever you want to call it race blind, post racial or whatever the hell you want to call it uh, up to this point pretty much for the most part. Uh I would say uh the entire Arrowverse. Uh no, maybe it's just this show because they did deal with race on Legends. They do deal with race and, and that kind of stuff 
on Supergirl. They even de- dealt with it a little bit on uh, Arrow. So maybe this is the only Very show. Little. Well, I mean, they've dealt with it. That's more than they've done on this show. So I give yeah, them props yeah. for dealing with it. Uh, this is the only show that hasn't really dealt with it. And, and uh, this is the show... I'm trying to think. I'm thinking of all the characters. Is this the show with the most POCs in the cast? Uh, maybe not Legends. Maybe this might be the second show with the most POCs in its cast. Well, if you're going to include Black Lightning. Well, Black Lightning. Well, um, Black Lightning is its own vehicle because they've been dealing with it since day one. Oh, so you're saying it's separate but equal? Well, that's what the the showrunner wanted. He didn't want to be a part of the Arrowverse. That's that's them. But, uh, but yeah, Black Lightning has been dealing with it from the beginning. Um, the other shows... I mean, they deal with it, but they don't really deal with it. And this is the only show that, like, hasn't really dealt with it, which is surprising. Um, I felt like for the moment that it was, uh, you know, for the kids out there that are watching the show, I feel like it's a good moment for them. For the characters, it just, I, like, if, if, if this is like a one-and-done type of situation, then that's a disappointment. If this is them sort of, like slowly, you know, creaking the door open so that we have more discussions like this in the future, then that would be a good thing. Uh, But if it's a one-and-done type of situation, then it's a little sad. Uh, I did, uh, as opposed to Dimitri, um, I I did find it to be a good moment for Killer Frost. Uh, You know, I, I thought both of them worked, for what the scene was, I thought it worked for both of them so uh, I'll say that uh, Millie what did you think about the scene um, I guess I think that's been said before um, I think you know looking back maybe from the get go Flash maybe should have taken a different direction but it is what it is um, I just I always find it interesting that with the CW the, there's the running joke that they're always trying to push diversity and you have a show um, that is you could say second um in POC that they, they have to bring in a character to bring that conversation in. So uh, it is a little disappointing, but I do hope that it's kind of the, the first option that Jeffrey mentioned is it's opening the door, especially with a new showrunner behind the camera, um, making the decisions. I hope that we are able to get these conversations with Iris and Joe and, and Barry and everything, all the characters that we do love, because I think it's an important thing that's been missed. Um, It's nice to get a little bit of Chester, uh, and, and see that moment of him. Uh, I hope we see more of him just because he got a lot of screen time this week, so let's make it purposeful on that. So it will be interesting how they play it out for the rest of the season. Yeah, I felt the, the moment was a little shoehorned in, but I thought it worked well as explaining, uh, you know, uh, not some larger question, but more why, you know, why Chester has his, his self-doubts. Uh, because he's obviously brilliant, um, you know, and he's got that level of enthusiasm. So I thought it was, you know, a good character moment to sort of, you know, bring that uh, element from his past in there and explain why he might be doubting himself, why he might not be as uh, um, as confident as he would otherwise be, you know, getting this uh, this little glimpse of his backstory. Uh, but I do applaud them them trying to do that. I think, you know, the show has been, you know, you know, sort of, you know, a, a post Obama. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, plenty of people of color in the cast. 
um, but, you know, not really addressing the race issue. And, and I think that is something that, you know, maybe this is, you know, something that the, the new showrunner uh, wants to bring up. Um, so I'll be curious to see, you know, whether this was just a, a one-time only blip or whether this is something that we'll get uh, a little more of. Uh, you know, introducing a new character like uh, Chester with a different background from Joe or, uh, or Iris, uh, you know, might open up the possibility to, uh, to investigate these things. And, and, you know, I think I trust the Flash writers enough to, uh, to see where they'll go with this. Uh, a lab accident causes Barry to be sucked into Grodd's mind, which at first seems like an attack, but then Grodd tells Barry he's turned over a new banana leaf. Two questions, Jeff. Uh, first, did you believe Grodd? And second, what do you think about having Grodd use the faces of familiar actors to talk with Barry? The third question, can I believe the pun? I loved it. High five. Uh, okay, so... I... Okay. I did believe Grodd because this is post-crisis and I was like you know what maybe Grodd has changed when he gave a little bit more intel that he he knows about it and that he remembers everything that sort of added weight to that I did like that uh, we started off sort of like with the confusion where Barry wasn't sure if he was like somehow taken into the past and that sort of thing uh, I did find the way that they conveyed Grodd talking through them to be a little distracting. I think they should have just committed to it being Grodd's voice coming out of their mouth versus Grodd and the actor sort of reading the lines. Um, it, like, it was very disturbing to hear, like, Grodd and Caitlin <laughs> talking at the same time. It was a little weird. Uh, this was probably the first episode where I really, really noticed that... Uh, uh, Ms. Panabaker is uh, hella preggers. Uh, so uh, it was just, that was interesting by itself because I was like, oh my, the very loose clothing. She's pregnant. Um, but I, I thought the setup to the story was really good. And Barry's sort of hesitance in believing Grodd was very believable. Like, we got all the flashbacks to all of our guerrilla adventures, so it made perfect sense. And, uh, yeah, they, they did a really great job with showing us this mindscape and, um, and, and Grodd sort of uh, expressing himself through it. And pragmatically, having the, uh, you know, the established actors you know, uh, play Grodd in different guises, you know, save them the money of having to, you know, CG animate oh, totally. uh, Grodd for all yeah. those scenes, which, you know, would have completely blown the budget, which, of course, they were saving for later in the episode. Yeah, they just didn't about. need to read the lines. Uh, as you mentioned, Barry initially doesn't believe Grodd, but like you, I actually believed Grodd when he was saying that. I didn't have any reason to doubt him, and uh, maybe I'm a sucker for a redemption arc uh, or a face turn, but uh, I or believe Or monkey Grodd. hands. Uh, Barry doesn't. And so he tries to escape on his own, only to be beaten back by the sentry, Solivar. Uh, so Barry returns and has another talk with Grodd, who insists he has changed. Uh, and this time, yeah, I thought it was an interesting choice, using Joe, uh, you know, the face of someone that Barry would instinctively uh, recognize and trust, uh, to make the argument that he has changed. And, and while they're doing that discussion, uh, Barry realizes he can't hold on to the past anymore. They have to essentially, you know, in a flash sense, run to the future if they're going to be successful. Um, Millie, I've mentioned that, you know, a big part of a uh, big theme of this episode has been the idea of letting go of the past and, you know, uh, embracing the future. Uh, what do you think about that scene? Um, <clears throat> sorry, I apologize, I, like, totally spaced out. Uh, which scene were you talking about? 
Sorry, uh, after Barry uh, fights Solovar uh, and loses, he comes back to uh, to talk to Grodd, who takes the form of Joe, and tries to explain to him that he has changed. Uh, he no longer wants to take over the world. He just wants to live among his own kind in Gorilla City, the only place he was truly happy. Uh, and in having that conversation, you know, Barry realizes that, you know, uh, holding on to the past, whether it's his assumption of who Grodd is as a villain or in a larger sense in the episode, holding on to the past pre-crisis uh, means that he's not going to be able to move forward. So how do you like how that scene played out? I found it very, like, of course this conversation was going to happen, like we're talking about change. Um, I think it, it was a little bit hard to really connect with because um, this is kind of my bigger qualm with the episode is that we haven't really seen Barry deal with this post-crisis world. Um, and really, this is like the first time, you know, 20 minutes prior that we're seeing that he's struggling trying to find where his parents' graves are and not knowing this thing. But we're like four episodes post-crisis um, and we're just now seeing the struggle. Um, I think that kind of made, made that disconnect where um, you're like, okay get what you're trying to say is we have to let go of this past that you don't know but uh, it's more of the like uh, as the professor also say it's uh, telling us rather than showing us they haven't been able to show us he's been struggling if they drop little things here and there in the past four episodes it's all just came in that opening montage um and so it felt forced like we have to go past this speed bump so we're just going to speed over it real quick and uh hope it lands i mean i do love that they had a conversation with joe because anytime joe's on screen it's awesome, um, but it just felt a little bit like disingenuous. Uh, because this is a mindscape and you can do really fun stuff, Barry and Grodd merge, creating a gorilla Grodd with the abilities of the Flash. So we get to see two giant apes fighting, one with the speed force powers. Uh, you know, uh, truly, we live in a special time. Gorilla Flash. Uh, Jeff, you've mentioned you, you like seeing the gorilla Grodd returns each year. Uh, what do you think about the episode's big fight scene? You know what? The fight sequence was freaking awesome. Like, where is Brittany? She would say, you know, what a time to be alive. Because who the hell would have predicted 10 years ago that on a comic book show that is ridiculously popular, we would see a character like Gorilla Grodd, a fully CGI'd character, become something that he became in the comics like he ends up getting uh he ends up becoming a speedster if i'm not mistaken in the comics so it, it's insane like i know after we saw gorilla grod the original time uh like a lot of people were like well maybe they'll end up doing that he'll end up being the big bad he'll be a speedster villain and that sort of thing and they never went that route and to be quite honest it's probably for the best uh like you know they they sort of uh, tapped the speedster well a, a bit too much uh in the early seasons i feel like we're gonna get that again but i have my own theory about it which we'll discuss that later on but we did get to see gorilla flash and it was spectacular it was in sort of not really a jungle setting but at least a forest setting uh the the vfx was fantastic it was a lot of fun it was a spectacle it was a spectacle. Like, I kind of feel like the writers were like, you know what? Let's give Gorilla Grodd flash powers. How do we make this happen? All right, let's do Mindscape. They like, you know, they had the idea and then they wrote the story to like make the idea happen. And you know what? If they did that, it was it was pure popcorn 
camp and i was here for it like i I just i enjoy what they're doing with this uh you know they committed to gorilla grod they find some way to bring him back every season is it the f word as dimitri would say if you ask him next probably but it is a yearly tradition and it's an enjoyable one uh, Dimitri, what did you think about the fight scene? That I assume when uh, when Jeff said the f word, you meant he meant fight. Uh, the the Sims Gorilla Edition fight scene. I wasn't super impressed. It's an entirely CGI fight scene. It lasted like thirty seconds and ended pretty predictably. Um, yeah, uh, it was underwhelming for me. I did think i will say the merging of flash and grod was unexpected uh partially because uh, i didn't see it coming and partially because um i don't care but um it's i think it's very hard to do cgi fight scenes in an emotionally engaging way uh you have to like either go all out camp a la King Shark versus Grodd, uh, or you have to do some sort of detailed uh, motion capture like uh, Josh Brolin's Thanos, which which I thought was really well done, but is, which is we largely would get driven by show. a human performance. What's up? I said, I was being sarcastic, which we would get that kind of stuff on a TV show. Come on, man. That, that's what I'm saying. That's why, like, I, I would prefer you just keep the keep the CGI to a minimum uh, try not to do it. Like, try not to have a climax that is entirely reliant on CGI. Like, even when Barry has like some crazy fight move, you're still like seeing Grant Gustin's face, and and very frequently some sort of villain's human face. And and I think that is valuable. Um, I'm gonna add, uh, just in reference to uh Joe sort of channeling Grodd. I don't think it's the best look after your one woke moment to then have. A uh, black character deliver a gorilla's monologue, but that's just me. So to recap, uh, Dimitri wants to see two real apes fighting to the death. Uh, Millie, uh, what would you think about the fight scene? It was fun. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, seeing a gorilla fight, I guess, can always be an entertainment there. Um, I think that's the kind of the best use, you know, is going to happen. So it was kind of a nice to get away from all the, the emotional side and the other weird stuff going on in the episode. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I, it wasn't, yeah, I, I agree with Dimitri that it was, you know, clearly CG. And, and I agree with Jeff that it, it feels like the uh, the writers were sitting around, uh, you know, one Thursday afternoon going, oh, what if we had, you know, Grodd fighting Savitar, but Grodd had the Flash's powers. And then I agree, they probably, you know, uh, started from that point and and wrote backwards to to set it up. I mean, it it was you know it it was it was it was good. It was fun to watch, um, but yeah, it was it was clearly CG because you know they do still have a CW budget. Um, uh, after the fight, Chester returns uh, to help the team just in time, hacking together a system to separate Barry and Grodd's brainwaves. Uh, so Barry and Grodd are restored. Barry apologized for being short-tempered Chester earlier. Grodd gets to go to live in Gorilla City, and Chester even finds out where Barry's parents are buried uh, before taking over on comms as a full member of the team, which you know kind of puts a bow on everything. Uh, Millie, how do you feel about how uh, that the main A plot line resolved? Uh, was there anything you think they might have done differently? Um. No, I think it was always going to end with Gorilla Grodd back in 
with his people or his gorillas. Uh, his I think I think the thing it was I think it was a big thing with the episode. It was all just kind of expected. Um, you know that you see Gorilla God, he's not where he belongs. He's going to end up there. Um, and so I, I maybe wish they would have taken a more creative approach. Uh, poofed him somewhere else, maybe I don't know. Um, but that'd be weird not to poof him with the gorillas. So it, it was just you know meh and expected. But um, I like the resolution. I think that. Uh, we get to see this development of Grodd, and, and you know, when we see him when he first saw him in season one, we get to see his evolution, which is nice, and we kind of get a little bow on this part of his story. I was a little disappointed because, again, you know, dealing with crisequences, you know, you could have had a crisequence. What if Barry's parents weren't dead, or what if one of Barry's parents weren't dead? So I think that they sort of, you know, reestablished the uh, the status quo ante um, uh, a little quickly. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, it, it is such a, a big part of, uh, Barry's life that, you know, his parents, you know, are dead that, you know, that probably would have been too big a change. Yeah. Um, it, um, the thing that kind of, after sort of just hearing you guys discuss it, which I think it, it, it goes back to what we were talking about way at the start that makes me kind of giggle in a sense is, so the whole point of this storyline was that Barry needs to let go of the past and focus on the now post-crisis, yet he has all the memories of the past. So it's like, how does he do that? Like, my hope is that Cisco is back, is that they figure out some way to, like, download all of these changes into Barry so at least, you know, he's no longer on crutches and he isn't at, at a disadvantage and is, you know, at, at, you know, like fighting at 100% so that there aren't things that are surprises. Uh, that That's my hope. Um, just because I feel like we're moving on to a different story. Uh, Chester was fantastic. Him being a Flash fanboy and finding out that Barry is the Flash was a really great moment for the character. And I feel like I conjured up the Pied Piper because I was asking about him a couple episodes ago. So the fact that he's back and uh, and it looks like Chester knows what happened with the Pied Piper since he he is uh, knowledgeable of the Flash villains and that kind of stuff. So maybe Chester can fill us in on what happened to the Pied Piper, why, um, you know, how he became a villain, how he got those extra powers and that kind of thing. Uh, because that was that was unique and interesting uh, uh, by itself. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of an interesting storytelling idea because they did, you know, tease the idea that, you know, when they brought back the post-crisis villains, they would all be, you know, revamped in some way. And, you know, we saw that with, you know, Amunet and Goldface, you know, having a relationship. Um, and it does sort of, you know, uh, open up the possibility that, you know, because, you know, Barry and the team are essentially meeting all of these metas for the first time, uh, from their perspective, it allows us to experience that in the same way. But I agree that it does put them on the back foot. And, you know, my suspicion is that when Cisco comes back, he'll have some, you know, technological giga that just allows them to get back up to speed on the billions of changes, uh, that have happened as a result of crisis. Uh, but let's talk about evil Iris, fake Iris, Siri, whatever you want to call her. Uh, she's Siri. continuing her dogged investigation. She even blows up at Joe when he makes the entirely reasonable argument that this is uh, an active police investigation. I can't just give you confidential files because you're my daughter. Uh, Dimitri, what would you think about that scene? Uh, it gets more and more disappointing that nobody's spotting um, fake Iris. I get that she's pretty close to real Iris. Um, 
but I feel like she has a recurring pattern now of really not reacting well to to being told no. That um that I feel like somebody should be like I- Iris is usually pretty more chill. Like I don't know. Um, yeah, it. It is kind of interesting. Obviously, we have a reveal towards the end of the episode. You're still sort of wondering what her game plan is. I I think it would be more believable if, you know, like characters at least mention to each other something like, hey, does Iris seem off to you or something? Um, Because it does feel like by now somebody should be picking up on something. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think that's what Wally's going to be used for in about an episode but my whole problem with this whole thing is to echo dimitri and just to add even more on top of it the fact that iris within 30 seconds could tell that that was not her husband and no one can tell that this isn't iris and no one's questioning it like they're giving her strange looks (laughs) because i guess they feel like she's being passionate about this article but come on people yeah, playing off, I think it was Dimitri who said last week, you know, he was disappointed in Barry for not realizing that this wasn't his Iris. I wondered whether they put this scene in there, sort of take the heat off of Barry uh, by establishing that, you know, she's capable of fooling Joe as well. So maybe that means Barry isn't quite as uh, as clueless as we might have thought. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, you know, certainly her uh, reaction to Joe and, and the fact that she then manipulated him to you know, get access to his uh, his computer. And by the way, the, the, the CCPD police force is just allowing a reporter to go into the police chief's office and access his computer. Well, um, it's her father. Yeah, still. Uh, I, I, I know. think that... But uh, how dare you, know, you use Big Most Bell police stations would at least, you know, lock the door or something like that. Yeah. Uh, over in the Mirrorverse, Iris continues to push Eva to try to escape, only to have Eva insist it's hopeless. At one point, she even pushes her arms through the mirror to show what will happen. Uh, as she comes in contact with the real world, uh, her arms get you know hideously burned. Uh, as Iris goes off to find more bandages, Eva suddenly drops the frightened act that we've seen her playing uh, you know, for the past couple of episodes and uses the mirror to talk with evil Iris. Uh, and makes it clear. We've talked about you know what is this mirror Iris uh, and it's pretty clear that it is some sort of extension of Eva. It's part of her. So obviously Eva is the one behind the investigation. Uh, and Eva is uh, is playing Iris, uh, keeping her in the mirror dimension so that uh, evil Iris uh, can uh, do the investigation out in the real world. Uh, Millie, what did you think about Eva and the reveal? I'm glad that we finally got it because I think we all knew something was up with her. It was funky, um, and so all our, our hunches were correct. Um, it'll, it's going to be interesting to see where this is going to go. Now that Iris is on the other side, but there's still so many questions about fake Iris um, and what her end game was. So I think it made Eva um, a lot more compelling character than just a uh, a very confused person stuck in the mirror. Uh, I really liked the reveal. I wouldn't say it's surprising, but it's nice that we get to know what. Her, what the thing was up her sleeve, and now we can kind of move forward with what her evil plot is. Yeah, I like how the actress playing Eva, you know, as soon as, you know, Iris sort of say she just dropped the act, and uh, you you saw that, you know, this has just been an act that she's been putting on for Iris. Uh, Jeff and Dimitri, do you have any thoughts on uh, on Eva and the reveal? Yes, the VFX was different this time around. When Iris got pulled into the mirror, the hands were mirror-ish. 
Uh, this time around, her hands actually went through the mirror. Uh, I wonder if that's something she can control. Maybe she can turn mirror-ish so that she doesn't get the burns or something. Um, Eva, I was rooting for you. Like, I was believing you. I feel like I was the only one. Like, I was hoping. I, I still can kind of see that maybe they they might not... They could go the, the, the path of her not being a full villain if she is trying to take down uh, her husband. If he did something to, like, trap her into the mirror, or if he did something, if if she's been observing him with Black Hole, and he created Black Hole, and she sees that this is a nefarious organization, if she's sort of using this uh, Siri to, uh, to do that, to enact her revenge, uh, then maybe she isn't fully bad. Clearly, she's tiptoeing, for me at least, because she has imprisoned Iris in the mirror, and she's trying to keep her in the mirror so that Siri is out there doing her bidding. Um, I still need more information, though, before I fully decide on if uh, Eva is full-on villain, if she's um, a chaos agent, if she is an anti-hero. I, I still don't know what they're doing with her. The fact that they did uh, keep on, you know, just sort of hitting us over the head with, you know, their these characters could be remixed. The fact that we already had a villainous Mirror Master makes me try to question Eva's motivations and to see if she really is being villainous or if she's trying to do... She's trying to maybe enact revenge. Maybe in a villainous way, but it's more so she was the victim and she's trying to get back at her black hole of a, of an ex. Yeah, I agree. I think if she is also going up against, uh, you know, black hole, if she is, you know, uh, fighting the bad guys in her own way, even if she's doing it in kind of a douchey way of, of trapping Iris and, and creating a mirror duplicate of her, it means that she's maybe not, you know, full on evil. It's just that she's uh, not necessarily going about things, uh, you know, in the right way. Um, over in the C plot, Nash continues trying to establish a connection with Allegra uh, and um, uh, accidentally almost blows her up. Allegra finds the Polaroid of Nash and her doppelganger and reacts pretty badly, arguing that Nash never really trusted her. He just saw her as someone else. I found this scene really unconvincing and, and Allegra's reaction unconvincing. Uh, Demetri, what do you think about that? Might be the wrong person to ask. I, I know you're gonna ask Dimitri if Nash care. was unconvincing. Uh, yeah, it, he he's objectively not Sherlock. Um, but uh, we did even see Sherlock this episode, so just a very very poor use of Tom Cavanaugh. Um, I I'm sorry, it, it's really hard to care. I think we haven't had a lot of time with Allegra. Um, a lot of time to really be emotionally invested in her. Um, I, I think, you know, she's, she's been a cool, like, sort of part of Team Citizen, but as her own character, we don't see too much to get invested in, and, um, Nash is, is just annoying. Uh, Again, not as annoying as Sherlock, but, um, possibly more unremarkable. Um, it, it, it seems like a really, I don't know, um... Uh, recycled storyline. We saw this with uh, with the evil Laurel and uh, Captain Lance uh, over on Arrow. Um, that was more engaging. This really isn't. Um, 
Yeah, I, I really hope that uh, it looks like something's happened where like the the wells are coming back in in some sort of ghost way. I really hope we get Thawne or um, season two wells back, and we don't have to deal with Nash for too much longer. I just daughter, no daughter, trash character. Yeah, the uh, I don't mind Nash quite as much as as I think everyone else does. But yeah, I, I agree that you know with the Allegra stuff, you know because she hasn't really been that developed. Um, you know, um, it, yeah, it, the 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 scene just left me, uh, you know, uh, a, a bit uncaring, quite frankly, and, and thinking that her reaction was uh, a bit disproportionate. Millie, did you have any thoughts on that? I thought it was very rushed and seemed not earned. It was like here and there, you know, at least it dropped a little hints, but then it was also like this blow up and uh, I just, I don't know. And then his insistence that, oh, she wasn't my kid. She was an employee that went wrong. Um, the fact that he repeated that a couple of times was interesting. Um, so I don't know. I liked Allegra. She was like very slowly growing on me. Um, but I just think this is a story on this. So kind of far removed from everything else in the moving parts that it's really hard to connect with it and can't really see how it's going to like circle back in with everything um so i was not a fan of it yeah maybe if they'd uh you know reestablish you know allegra because you know allegra you know was a criminal um you know she has some trust issues she had that resentment towards iris uh, when she thought Iris wasn't telling her the truth about uh, about Wells and about Barry and stuff like that, um, you know, maybe if they you know gone back and reminded us uh, about uh, you know uh, Allegra's background and uh, and trust issues, maybe it would have landed a little more solidly. But it just didn't work for me uh, in this episode. Well, I think the problem is is that they're working this angle of the story at a snail's pace. When I feel like. If if I was about to call him Sherlock, uh, if Nash would just open up and talk, like this could have been over, you know, the two episodes ago. Like I think the the Wells stuff and the Wells appearing, like that is something that has been going slow. It's been a slow burn, but it's still been satisfying. This whole thing with Allegra, whether or not, like I I don't mind the character. I guess y'all don't really care for her but i don't mind the character like she's fine for what she is but like if they were to advance this a little bit more like at at a, at a brisker pace i think it would just be a little bit more palatable uh, like the whole his denial and like him going back and forth and him wanting to tell her and then him not wanting to tell her and then it's just annoying. Uh, at this point, I feel like she really isn't a daughter. That she's like he seems to be Indiana Jones in a sense in his um, Earth, and so it looks like maybe she's his apprentice. Maybe is what she was. Uh, I don't really see any sort of uh, um, as far as casting goes. Like I don't see them being related at all. Uh, so if they are going to go that way, then okay, maybe uh, her mom has to definitely be Latina uh, because Tom Cavanaugh doesn't have any sort of Latin features on him. Uh, but yeah, like it's just, I feel like what's the point of this now? Like, yeah. Well, with you standing up for Allegra, I would remind you how you reacted when she spoke Spanish. I know, it was horrible. Um, anyway, and of course that just raises the, the standard Arrowverse trope, right? Which is that, you know, 
if people find these things out on their own, it always leads to badness. Whereas maybe if you reveal your identity or the truth, uh, you know, the truth will, if it won't set you free, at least it will prevent, you know, weeks and weeks of, uh, of, uh, of annoying CW storylines. Um, but Nash uh, goes off to talk with Frost, who's been putting in extra time as the team's counselor this episode. Uh, she persuades Nash to uh, talk with Allegra. Uh, he does make the point, as you guys were saying, he's, that she was not his daughter, just a former employee who made what he calls a bad call, which, you know, raises an interesting question. I'll, I'll be interested to find out what that was. Uh, before Nash can talk with Allegra, he's confronted with another ghost, Wells. Um, he'd seen one earlier in the episode. This time it's different because for the first time that we've seen, one of the ghosts actually physically interacts with them, throwing him up against a wall, and utters a cryptic, he is coming, warning. Uh, and as he's doing that, his face goes all reverse flash. So uh, kudos to whoever it was suggested the Wells ghosts were Eobard Thawne. Um, so I'll open this up to the floor. What did you think about the reveal? Uh, the possible link to uh, Reverse Flash, and what do you think that warning, he is coming, means? Oh, I want to go. Okay, so first up, they're no longer using the vocal effect for Killer Frost. Um, I I just noticed it in this episode. Maybe they haven't been using it for a a moment, but I I just... It was very noticeable in this episode. Maybe it's a side effect of the pregnancy. I don't know. Okay, so Reverse Flash. Okay. I think a lot of people on the internet are thinking Reverse Flash is coming back. It's Reverse Flash, Reverse Flash is coming back, and this is out of the other. I feel like this is a warning that Godspeed is coming back. Why Godspeed? Pourquoi? Well, we had all that mysterious stuff with Godspeed at the start of the season. You know, all of these... Godspeed clones that were sort of invading and uh, they were getting rid of them so easily and it was so weird and it was it was like something that we talked about and we we're like what the fuck is this like where is this going clearly it's blood work at this t- at this time so what are they doing with Godspeed and i feel like this could be Eobard trying to uh, to warn them about Godspeed. Uh, I don't know what it means necessarily. Like, is this that Godspeed has trapped Eobard and uh, this is, you know, the only way that Eobard can um, send out a warning? Why he's warning Nash versus anybody else is very confusing. But uh, I feel like it's a Eobard... Uh, misdirect, and it's really Godspeed that this is going to be about. Uh, Millie, what did you think about the reveal and what it means? It was interesting. I know there was a lot of, in the podcast in the past, we've talked like, oh, is this mean Reverse Flash is back? We missed the Reverse Flash. Um, he's the best Wells. All that fun stuff. He's not um, the best Wells. So, oh, he's the best evil. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'm not gonna He's also a Nazi it. sympathizer. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's the best Wells. Best use of Tom Cavanaugh. <laughs> Harry's the best Wells. Technically, Eobard is not a Wells, just an FYI. People always get that confused. Best use of Tom Cavanaugh. Yes. Well, I you guess can like say Tom that. Tom and Wells are the same person in my mind, but yes, best use of Tom. Um, and, and again, I, I think it's just... And it'll probably pay off. I'm just confused. What's he doing back? <laughs> Why is he back? Um, 
is it this weird? Was there like a, a little hole when they were fixing the universe that all the wells escaped? Uh, why is it only the wells of different Earths are the one that around? So um, it could be Godspeed, but there's just still a lot of questions I have, and I just I don't like that. I don't like mysteries, <laughs> so I'm just confused. Uh, Dimitri, what do you think, and what do you think it means? I am hoping for a return of Reverse Flash. I, I kind of feel like it has to be just because Reverse Flash kind of caused the death slash erasure of his daughter, which, while we were all admittedly sick of her, um, it, it I feel like it would be sort of... It, it would lack payoff if Barry didn't then, you know, sort of come face to face with Thawne the next season you know he still has all this sort of I think anger towards him for not only the death of his mother the incarceration of his father but now sort of the erasure of his daughter and it, it might be interesting to see uh, what exactly that means in a in a post crisis universe is she still gone will she return to be annoying yet another day I don't know, but also I'm struck by the fact that um, last season, I think in the last episode, as Thorn is escaping, he says, see you in the, I think it was in the next crisis, and we're now post-crisis, I do feel like Thorn is coming. Yeah, I agree, and, and you know, a reverse Flash is is a classic Flash villain, so uh, bringing him back would make sense. I think I lean a little more towards uh, Jeff's take on this, which this is that this is probably Thawne giving a warning, because maybe Godspeed is someone who threatens both him, uh, you know, and Barry. And I think our next episode is uh, Death of the Speed Force, and, you know, if the Speed Force uh, were in, in trouble, uh, that might have effects on other speedsters. Uh, so it might have something to do with that as well. Uh, so before we move on to the MVP section, was there anything else from the episode anyone wanted to mention? Okay, then it's time to pick your MVP, the most valuable primate. State which ape impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a simian has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Millie, who is your MVP and why? Oh, um... I guess I have to give my MVP to Chester. I like that we got some background information about him, a little bit of his story. I guess he has, like, quirky little side. Um, right now he's kind of filling in that void in our hearts that Cisco's gone, so um, he's he's doing a nice job there, and he does well against Camilla. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes, and he's fun to have. Yeah, and, and it's nice to have that character who's looking at the team and, and the superpowers and stuff like that with fresh eyes because, you know, all the characters on the team have sort of gotten a little jaded. Um, and uh, to sort of have that reaction of, oh, my God, this is so cool, uh, is, is, is kind of nice. Uh, Dimitri, who is your MVP and why? I might have to give it to Ava. I, I was sort of in the camp of Ava is evil, but there were times when I wavered, and it's been a while since we had a genuinely ambiguous, genuinely hard-to-read villain. I think, you know, not since kind of uh, Thorn Wells have we have we really had that. Um, I think we had some ambiguity with season two Wells. Um, 
but uh, a moment's ambiguity with the thinker. Uh, but otherwise, like people who are are sinister tend to reveal themselves to be sinister max 45 minutes after their introduction. So Ava was uh, a character who I think has been portrayed uh, very well. I was like, I'm pretty sure she's evil, but there were times when even I wavered. I don't think she's the most interesting storyline. I'm getting a little sick, a little claustrophobic of these Ava and Iris just stuck in a room scenes. But I will say I genuinely couldn't have like called a hundred percent. So uh, props to uh, props to Ava for being uh, a genuinely hard to read villain on a show that also features Grad, uh, Pink Grad, and King Shark. Jeff, who is your MVP and why? I usually go on third on this podcast too. I'm just. I'm making all of these observations. All right. Uh, I'm going to give it to uh, Candace Patton. Because as as uh, Iris in the mirror, uh, the, wom- the woman in the mirror, uh, oh, Michael Jackson, why didn't you make that song too? Uh, and, uh, and Siri, she's just doing a great job. I, I loved her blowing up at... Um, at uh, Joe, I-, I loved that she snuck in and she had, uh, you know, her little uh, jump drive and, you know, copied all the files. I loved her reaction to Eva, like, what did you do? And she's got all the charred marks and then Eva magically mirror- mirrorly uh, removes them. I-, I just am enjoying what Candace Patton is doing. And she didn't get much to do in this episode, but I, I did really enjoy the Siri slash uh, Iris uh, storyline. Uh, I will go last. I will pick Grodd. Uh, you know, Grodd, uh, you know, uh, as I said, I'm a sucker for a face turn. Uh, I love it when uh, a bad guy is redeemed. Uh, and, you know, Grodd is about as bad as they come. Um, uh, I thought, uh, you know, I, I believed in his redemption. Uh, I like the fact that he escaped and that he's going to get, you know, his sort of, you know, uh, assuming he, you know, stays a good guy. And by the way, you know, if we do have another Grodd episode uh, next season, perhaps he could be an ally for the team. Uh, you know, uh, rather than the villain. So uh, even though he was a, a CG monkey, um, uh, I did like him. So finally, it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed, Millie. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Flash Museum. Let's go in reverse order. Jeff, who? what is your rating of the episode? Okay, so... Overall, it was an enjoyable episode. I feel like I enjoyed it more than uh, my co-host, but I also understand the kitsch of uh, Grodd. It, it is a yearly affair, and they always do a pretty decent job in with these yearly affairs. Uh, so, for the most part, it, it was a decent episode. I thought all the other storylines were really interesting as well the tease at the end was really good and the fact that they're finally finally dealing with crisis and the changes i thought it was a great moment for barry too so after saying all of that i'm going to give it i think an 8.5 is a good rating for it dimitri how would you rate the episode um Gonna give it a seven. 
seven uh points off for all the grad reliance uh but some boost for for the the big reveals um with ava um and uh, and I think Chester and Camilla breathed some fresh life into into what could have otherwise been a really underwhelming CGI reliant episode. Uh, Millie, what is your rating? Then I had to give it a seven point three. Um, I didn't mind God, and I I think those are necessary concepts that needed to happen. Um, but just in terms of happening four episodes after crisis i think really took me out of being able to buy into what they were trying to sell me um so that's why it loses most of its points on that so a 7.3 overall yeah i liked it a little more maybe not quite as much as jeff i'm going to give it an eight i agree with millie that maybe you know the uh the the crisis sequences you know dealing with you know your memories not matching up to the world would have worked a little better if they'd done it earlier uh, maybe not the first episode back, but I think certainly the second episode back uh, would have made sense. Uh, but overall, I found it enjoyable. Uh, I did like the introduction of Chester. I think he'll be a very valuable uh, member of the team, uh, not only from uh, you know a, a valuable member of the team because of his skills, but I think from a storytelling point of view. And I'll be interested to see uh, what they do with the character going forward. So join us next time for a brand new installment of The Central State Citizen. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Central City Citizen. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting GoFundMe dot com slash poppy chula radio are you interested in joining the poppy chula radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor email talent at poppy binge listen to your favorite poppy chula radio programs by visiting poppy slash archives you can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through apple podcasts and google play just search for the central city citizen and subscribe Thanks, announcer. Co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Dimitri? Good night, Central City. You can follow us, uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at BrownBallBeauty, and that is my handle on Instagram as well. Jeff? Good night, Central City, and uh, Gorilla City, apparently. And Millie? Good night, Central City. You can follow me on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Central City Citizen every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Quick programming note, there's no new episode of Flash next week, so we'll see you in two weeks for the return of Wally West and the death of the Speed Force. Good night.